0: Hello and welcome back to Thickcast. I'm your host Molly Edwards, and today joining me is the lovely JD. How are you? I am good, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Good, good. Um, is it day one of prep today as
1: well? Day, day two now. Um, the tyrant that is Josh McHale has gone hard from day one, slashing the cows and upping the output. So I think this is why I've been nervous about getting into prep because I know what he's like. <laughs> but we commit and we get on with it <laughs> how many weeks out are you Are you not are you keeping I it like it's t- about 20 weeks something like that um like i think if i'm honest i think at this point people will probably know what shows i'm going to be targeting without even really asking because obviously the pca pro calendar is quite uh i'm not going to say small they've got about 10 to 12 international shows but I think obviously as a British pro, the expectation would be is that if they've got a show in the UK, that you're going to do the show that's in the UK. So, you know, I'm not keeping it a secret. I will be doing British finals. Yeah, that's the British um, final one, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be first. But um, I just, I tend not to talk about it too much when I'm starting prep because I don't, I don't like to put myself under pressure. I like to just get into prep, get my head settled, focus on what I need to do and tick the boxes every day rather than worrying about the show date that's a few months down the line, if if that makes sense.
0: And I think everyone perhaps differently don't they? Some people like to have that date and that kind of like end goal bit that's like, I'm competing on this date. And that's the thing that like keeps them going. Whereas I think other people it's not so much. Um and I do you know what I think as well, it's the more you do it, I think the more you don't focus on the end goal.
1: Yeah, I think like for me, I I know when I first started competing, I was very much about oh, this is the show I'm gonna do, and it was more about putting it out there so that I was locked into it and stayed committed to it. Because obviously, once you've spoken it out there, it's kind of like oh, people then have their eyes on what you're doing Mm -hmm. to achieve that. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not one to keep it a secret. I love to document my journey, Um, but for me, I when I to talk about my journey now I talk about it from a perspective of how many weeks into prep I am rather than how many weeks out I am um so that you know if at any point I wanted to change my plans and do a different show I can do that without feeling pressure to having commit to one show date um and it becomes more about just focusing on the week on week of my prep rather than a show date if that makes sense
0: yeah completely and i think it's a lot of it's how your skill sets change throughout prep as well isn't it um yeah. because i think you learn something every time you go through a prep and you develop oh, you can't really learn unless you've ever done it can you
1: no and you know i've been having some of these conversations with my client recently cuz you know i think today pca um actually announced that you can register for the first first timer show of 2024 now um you know the first timer shows are super popular and um i think they're pretty much all fully booked i think so obviously uh keen to still give people the opportunity to register for something if they want to but you know i keep saying to my clients you know really have a think about when you want to compete and what your aspirations are for competing and think about the whole year rather than just the one show because I remember my first season obviously I did the typical first timer thing where I was really keen to just get on stage as quickly as possible and a show that was local to me without thinking about oh, do I want to do British finals? Which obviously at the time we didn't have the luxury of universe, which is at the start of the calendar now. It was just British finals. Um, And like I did a show in June and qualified for British finals. And British finals wasn't until October. And, you know, I learned my lesson that year where I was like, okay, it's a long time to prep. Yeah. Um, and keep your body looking fresh. um. So, you know, I guess what I learned from that season is is oh, if I've got aspirations to do a pro qualifier or a championship show or something that follows on from the regional show that I'm planning to do, to try to pick a regional show that sits quite close to that so, so that I don't have to keep myself near stage lean um, for long. Though I am saying that and I did a 40 week prep last year, so I clearly didn't pay any attention to that.
0: But... <laughs> no, I'm fully with you there. Like I'm... I've always competed the beginning of the year. And I mm-hmm. think the first time I competed, it was because I didn't really know what I was doing. And it was like, well, I'll do the extra show because that's where I live and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. But then the second time I competed, it was very different because it was COVID. But to yeah. be with, I'd started off going, I'm doing the extra show. And actually, because I'd got other things as well and other commitments in life, I couldn't have done later on in the year as well. Yeah. So it was my local show, but now I'm like, I wouldn't even bother like worrying about a local show like
1: I just drive yeah yeah I think a lot of people get really hung up on that don't they like location which show is nearest to me but I think you know when it comes to bodybuilding you've probably got a little be a little bit strategic and think about what if you just want to do one show right if you're just like I just want to do a show and see how I feel about it I've got no plans to do any anything further beyond that then picking a show that's local to you makes sense right you know it doesn't matter when it is because you've got no plans to go beyond that um but you know if you're wanting to do multiple shows that's when you kind of have to be a little bit strategic about what shows you do rather than where where they are yeah Um, so yeah it's definitely something I learned along the way is to plan my shows out based on what my long-term goals were for the year rather than what my short term vision was for one show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the drives are never people with that. I don't know whether it's I'm so used to driving up and down the country now when people are, oh my god like that's three hours away. I'm like, oh it's only down the road
1: then <laughs> well I think about like I've I used to drive back and forth all the time in my first season for posing sessions with Emma Hyman like Emma Hyman was my first pose coach and like she's she was back then based in Leeds but she'd also do do posing seminars in Birmingham um and I'm based in Suffolk so you know they're three and a half hour journeys but I was like and online pose coaching wasn't a thing back then like pre-covid it wasn't really online wasn't the thing to do you would go and see a post in person and that would be it mm-hmm. um but I'd drive you know I, I'd do it there and back and before prep during prep I'd make sure I was there um and I think because we have the luxury now of being able to do a lot of stuff online or um or locally because I think that there's more variety now. The thought of travelling a few hours seems like a lot. But, you know, I think about Black eyes. Like, they're based in Manchester. That's a good four and a bit hours from me. And, you know, I drove up for my first fitting and drove yeah. back again to collect my bikinis at, like, what was it? Like, two, three weeks out from my first show. And I didn't even really think anything of it. It was just that's what I need to do to get to where I want to be but it seems does seem to be quite a limiting factor for a lot of people now is how far they have to travel
0: yeah I like to think it's like a nice day out isn't it like because when you're like things get quite monotonous don't they because it's like you get up you do your cardio maybe and then you go to work and then you train in the evening or like however you do it your day your routine is pretty much the same every single day and then you might have a day off and you might do something wild like go on a walk somewhere you don't want to go for a walk do you know what I mean but like that is what it's like in prep isn't it yeah And when you go like somewhere else this is exciting I get to drive to Manchester for the day
1: yeah definitely I will say though the only thing with traveling that bugs me on prep is trying to then fit everything in so it's like you know obviously if you're driving four hours in one direction that's four hours that you could have been doing steps or something like that so you've then got to find the time to fit it all in but I guess I was the kind of person that I didn't really or I don't I you know I still do all this stuff I talk about like I've retired from bodybuilding or something but yeah I was you know I thrive off the energy of being in in different settings training in different gyms seeing different people and i find that quite energy lifting yeah. so yeah i'll find the time to do the stuff i need to do to make those things happen i guess
0: and i think also if it's a show though you're not going to be doing like if you're traveling up the day before you're not going to be training you're not going to be doing loads of cardio you're not going to be doing loads of steps anyway so all you really need to fit in is the time to drive there. And I will say, always, if you're doing a show that's somewhere not near your hometown, always like give more than enough time for an accident on the motorway or whatever. Mm. I've had a nap before on a service station. I don't know where, <laughs> I can't remember which show it was, but I remember I was tired. So I was like, nah, I'm actually gonna be there before I can check in anyway. So I'm just gonna go for a nap. I just pulled over, had a little nap in the car. <laughs> it's
1: <was> fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I mean. I I tend to drive myself most places even if I'm on prep now um but yeah I just I think that it's I think what maybe when it comes to prep I think what bothers most people is being out of their routine um you know as bodybuilders we can be a bit of a creature of habit can't we um but yeah I don't know I've just I've I I like to go and have those experiences so
0: as much as like I tick all the boxes I wouldn't say I'm like a massive in a routine of the same routine every day and then I can't deal with it if I'm out of my routine for a day I'm pretty fine with it to be honest um and I've learned how to eat still on track from a service station and like all those little tricks that you learn like I'm pretty good with it
1: all um you know what, I will say that that's definitely something that I've struggled with since I've moved away from being full-time employed so you know when I was full-time employed because you work your nine to five you know what your working hours are you know where you're going to be at any given time so you can structure everything that you need to do around that working day so you know I would have got up in the morning gone and done some steps because I know I'm not going to be able to do it whilst I'm at work which would have been my office job where I'm sat down so I go out for a walk work train after work do you know what I mean get my meals in at set times and it was always that routine and I've actually felt quite unsettled since I left my full-time job and worked into self um into self-employed life yeah um, because I don't have set hours anymore so it's like obviously I'm sat here with you at two o'clock in the afternoon doing a podcast um and I've got clients to respond to and you know I've still got a training today and I've still probably got about five thousand steps to do and it's kind of like because you don't have things blocked out and you kind of being pulled in different directions finding that routine has been difficult for me so I think it's one of those things where it's like if you're used to not having a routine that's almost your routine (laughs) do you know what I mean where it's like where you can you you know how to navigate it because it's almost like organized chaos whereas if it's not something that you're used to and you are used to having a nine to five and following that routine day after day then having uh being a bit more flexible with that routine might seem quite stressful because you can't really picture how that's gonna work in practice.
0: Yeah, I get you completely because I was actually thinking about this morning. Like it's so different now. Whereas before I was like, although my work would change. So I do a mix of earlies, late's and mids, mm. that bit would change where I was the hours that I was working. But for each shift pattern I had, I had a routine around it. So if I was working in early, I'd start work at quarter past six in the morning. So there's no way I was doing cardio or anything beforehand. Mm. But I would go in like 15 minutes early turn everything on the in the gym on get the gym set up then i'd actually jump on the treadmill for a bit yeah do a load of steps i'd put it on like really really fast and do a load of steps before we opened <laughs> i was like whiz are like, fine everything can't right the steps um so i had like that part of my routine and then i'd finish work and then it'd be like right okay now i go train then i go do my cardio and it was all in one block and then yeah. to what I did find with that though, it was a lot all in one space because yeah. it was like your training straight after was cardio. Then straight after I'd like, if it was a nice day, I'd go down the hill, or something can walk,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, take the dog out in between work and um, training as well. And then anything left, we'd go out for another walk in the evening. But it was like a lot to fit in one block. And yeah. I do think that prepping now would probably be a lot easier because I can split it up. And you yeah. don't finish it and just feel absolutely fucked.
1: Like yeah. from the
0: get-go. So I yeah. think that be better. But then obviously if it was the other way around and I had to train beforehand, I'd have to get up early, go to the gym, do all of that in a whole block and then you're exhausted for work, so.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's just, it's, it's one of those things that everyone, <sighs> it's finding the comfort in your own routine. Whether that be structured or not. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I'm interested to see how my prep goes this year with me having less structured days. Um, cause I am a bit of a creature of habit and I do like my routine and I found it really. I'm not going to say really easy to prep because prep isn't easy but like I found it easier to prep having structured days because I know exactly when I'll do things at different points Mm -hmm. in the day to make sure I I get it all done but for me at the moment no two days are the same (laughs) so I'm kind of having to just rock with it as the day goes and at the moment I feel like I'm kind of hoping that I'll get everything done rather than knowing and being confident that I've Mapped my day out to make sure that that's gonna get done.
0: Yeah, I think is I think there's a few things that I've got in my head already for when I go to prep again. Is like the first thing I want is like a standing desk with one of those walking pads, because I've got a few clients that are coaches and they've got them. And honestly, they just get all their steps in there. Like, give me more steps, because they work. Like, you know, you can type and like do all your check-ins and stuff walking around. I'm like, this is great idea.
1: I don't know about you I like to just have my walks as my mental space so like because I I constantly feel like I'm thinking doing whatever when I go out for a walk with my coffee I barely I'm not replying to check-ins I'm not speaking to people I just want to have that space to just myself because I'm always doing something um so that's that routine that I got into last year was right I'm gonna get up six o'clock go for an hour's walk with my coffee and just have that space for me to yeah, just up for the day.
0: I guess it's more that time thing isn't it like it depends on how much time you've got and how much more output you need to put in like if you need to put more output in and you're like I physically do not have the time to because I'd still have to go out because of the dog like he still needs to go out and do yeah. things and do whatever he needs to do. Um, yeah. So I still have to do that and have that mental, because I don't really like to be on my phone so much if I'm walking him, especially if he's on the lead and we're just going around the block, it's not so bad. But if we're off lead, he needs to be interacting with me doing things and training. Um. But yeah, I think if it was like, okay, like we need to, because my steps normally go really high. And I think, like, if I was just like, oh, I don't have the time to fill this in, then that's, like, one of the options that you can use, actually, like, I'm working and doing steps at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think for me, though, like, if there's one thing you'll learn about me, <laughs> I'm not your conventional bodybuilder. <laughs> um, you know, I like to eat Collins in my off-season and stuff like that. So, what? you know, it's Colin the caterpillar. Come on, girl, tell me you know about oh, Collins. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know what you mean. I just, <laughs> if you could eat Collins, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but apparently that means I'm a bad bodybuilder because I like to enjoy a bit of cake and mouth. My- <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of yeah. this. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I'm the kind of person I don't mind putting on a bit of body fat, and you I know that people like say that. That no such- Well, I know people say there's no such thing as balance in bodybuilding, but for me, that is my balance. So it's like you know, I still train and. Eat an off a or for meal plan, but if I want to allow myself some flexibility and eat a bit of extra cake and put on a bit of extra body fat in off season, I'm cool with that, you know. So it's
0: I that's what you're comfortable with and what your body's healthy with as well. Like, you see people that like you should always be within striking distance, you should always be like, and never go above six kilograms above stage weight. And I'm like, and you're telling me you're fucking healthy walking around six kilograms above stage weight, are you? you not know, <laughs> like, let's be real. Like that's fucking bullshit. I, I would mean, I'm, be heavier in the off season, be healthier, eat what I like.
1: Yeah. Like- that's <laughs> my that's my balance. That's how I see it. Is that yeah. allowing myself some flexibility and freedom in my off season sets me up to be able to lock in and do what I need to do on prep. Yeah. Because you know, this isn't me slamming anybody that lives the die hard bodybuilder lifestyle where they're 100% on it all the time because I know that there's this mentality around off-season is prep outside of prep mm-hmm. and, and I get that um and I think that you know for some people that will be how they progress best yeah. but for me if I was treating 24-7 like prep my bodybuilding career would burn out real quick because that for me is year-round restriction and i wouldn't be able to commit myself to the process as uh as well mm-hmm. if i constantly felt like i was living in this box of i have to do this or i'm oh,
0: gonna that, yeah. yeah completely and i'm i'm like completely with you like i don't really track that much in the office like this off season I like, i've not tracked food at all really like I know roughly how much protein I'm eating I know roughly how many calories I'm eating because I've been doing it for so long but I've not retracted really because I don't know when I'm next coming on stage and I, I don't do cardio in off-season I've never done cardio in off-season if you ask me to tell you to do cardio in off-season I won't do it I make that abundantly clear. I'm like I do not do it oh I, cardio I'm like cardio comes out
1: as soon as prep stops <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> absolutely not I was
0: like, I walk the dog, that's enough cardio. Like, I'm always going to have steps in because of the dog. Like, I'm not then going to go and jump on the stairmaster Master for 20 minutes, three times a week. It's not going to happen for me. Um yeah. And equally, like, I won't diet either, unless it's
1: proper. I, I just won't do it. I mean... If I was in, so when I did a long off season, I got to a point where I needed to diet, but that was because my appetite was shot to bits. Like, you know, yeah. I got to a point where I was like, I needed to do something to encourage myself to want to eat. And, you know, obviously putting yourself in a calorie deficit is going to make you hungry. That's going to yeah, make you yeah, want to eat. Yeah. Um, so that for me, that was less about aesthetics and more about actually just continuing on the path that I needed to continue on because. I I couldn't keep going at the rate that I was going you know you're gonna hit a wall at some point but for me I'm like you unless there's a strong purpose for it I I'm not about the diet like
0: I'm yeah like if I was at the point where like appetite wise I needed to pull down like that's cool I'll do it then but if it's just like oh you're getting a bit fat I'm like okay that's cool I'll be a bit fat like I'm not too concerned
1: I'm the same. Like, I always in off season, I move as little as possible. <laughs> and it's so that I don't have to move so much when I get into prep.
0: Yeah, because this is the thing. Like, if you're doing like loads of cardio now, like, where's that cardio going to go when you're like in no, prep? You've got to go from there.
1: You've got to go up from there.
0: I'm not about that.
1: No, I'm like, I always say to Josh, I'm like, I want to do as little movement in off-season so that when I get to prep, I can also do as little <laughs> as possible <laughs> in prep. Like last year, I I, I'm, I call myself the lazy bodybuilder all the time. I'm like, I want maximum benefit <laughs> for minimum effort. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I, I think I got up, the most I got up to, I think last prep was like five lots of 25 minutes of cardio. <laughs> And I was like, mm, thank scary. you for not moving in off season. <laughs> it's because it's I wasn't doing any cardio in my off season and I was probably doing like 4,000 steps a day. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, I, was, I, I must stress, that was probably not at the recommendation of Josh. That was just me being like, well, this is what I want to do and I'll accept the consequence that comes with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I didn't, I didn't, I did end up still pushing, but I think, actually to be fair though, I think I'd done quite a lot of cardio because I prepped just after kind of like lockdown and stuff. And I yeah. was doing like hit circuits and things like that in the garden. Cause I was like, I just need to like burn some energy and I've got no like anything to train with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably like, maybe I'd fucked it for myself a bit there, got myself a bit too fit. <laughs>
1: Which is what I mean. Being fit is great, but not if you're like me and you don't want to have to do a lot to get (laughs) results. But I'm also a take food off me rather than give me more to do kind of person. Like, if you had to ask me, would you prefer to have your calories dropped or your cardio increased? I would say just take my food off me every time. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, even though I'm a big foodie, I would much rather eat less than do more
0: <laughs> yeah I think it's I I did a post about this the other day and I think it's like something that people don't necessarily communicate with their coach it's mm-hmm. like I've got clients who when I t- pulled their cardio down like before prep and like in off season I'm like okay like no cardio they're like I really want to do cardio I'm like okay well we're not going to do it because you're gonna have to do shit tons in prep so I know then with them, the first thing, like I don't need to move their calories because the first thing I'm going to do is just add cardio in. They're fucking happy as Larry doing their, like whatever on the cross trainer, whatever it is that they're loving life with, which I think is mental, yeah. um, but they're loving it. They messaged me like, can I just have some more cardio, please? I'm like, what is wrong? So like their calories don't really move for like the first few weeks of prep because they're just like, can I have more? I'm like, yep, going yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> pull, up, pull up cardio um whereas there's other people that are just like just take the food off me like because I guess if you if your calories are so high as well going into a prep you're just like I cannot
1: eat anymore yeah so that's me Like I kind of got to a point where I mean I still eat yeah. but like I'm really not food focused so it's like for me I don't want to do more so that I'm hungry I'm like just take the food off me and I probably won't even bat an eyelid about it um but yeah you know I think it's horses for courses and like you say I think it's very individual there are some people I've got one of my clients that I've been having a conversation with this morning and I cannot get the girl to stop doing steps (laughs) she knows who she is if she's listening to this (laughs) I'm like I keep saying to her I'm like look like It just means that if you keep doing high steps, then when we finally get to prep, you're just going to have to keep doing more. And I'm like, if you're okay with that, then that's fine. We can keep the steps high. If you're comfortable with when prep comes, potentially doing double the amount of steps that you're doing now and you're okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's what works for you and that's what suits you. Cool. But I'm also going to present to you at the same time that. You know, wherever we end your off season and start prep is the start point for your prep. So, if you're doing 20,000 steps at the end of your off season going into your fat loss phase, and we need to encourage more activity to generate your calorie deficit, 20,000 is what we start with. It has to go up from there. You know, it's the same with cardio. So, it's, um, I, I get the benefits of it and um, I'm super on board with people doing cardio in their off season to keep on yeah, top yeah. of their, their muscular health and their mental health because I know a lot of people use it for that and I'm very pro you know whatever makes you yeah, feel you, Yeah. Um, but also considering at the same time if your long-term goal is competing and that you want to go into extreme an extreme dieting situation sometimes doing less in your off season is going to help put you in a good place for what's going to be required of you when you get to prep
0: absolutely yeah yeah um and like you said it is it's just very individualized and it's like some people I said do like doing cardio still and it helps them and like that's okay like we're not saying say, I like, don't do cardio but like I'm not going to do it <laughs> Yeah, doing <absolutely>. um, <laughs> it to me like that like cardio doesn't help my mental health like it probably makes it worse. My fuck's sake. I'm just gonna fucking stare
1: master. I mean, I've I've cried through an hour of cross-trainer and one of my posts. <laughs> so I, I don't I'm not a fan of cardio. If you're new to me, then you'll probably see me weekly just cursing at Josh for giving me more to do, even though that's his job. <laughs> and I'll still do it anyway. I'll still complain about everything that he gives me to do. Um but, yeah, I think it's just people just need to understand, like, how the process really works from end to end. And that, um you know, if you want to do more, that is absolutely fine. But just understand as well that fat loss phases are going to require you to do more than that. Yeah. So yeah. it's really thinking about, OK, am I comfortable with what I'm doing now and it going up from there or do I really need to think long-term and think, oh, do you know what? Like, I might be able to do a little bit more than this, but anything hugely more than this is going to be uncomfortable for me. So maybe it's best that I taper that down a little bit now so yeah. that I'm not going to put myself in too much of an uncomfortable position when the time comes to where prep is going to ask for it, because we all know it will ask for it. <laughs> we'll ask for your soul. <laughs> like a Dementor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think as well it's finding stuff that like cardio and stuff that you do enjoy mm-hmm. the most enjoyable cardio I ever did was in lockdown and we'd built like um a gym in my mate's garage yeah and my cardio was like hit cardio so I just did circuits and my friend wanted to lose some weight so I was like cool jump in with me and we did circuits together and we'd honestly we'd find like the best tunes we'd had like we had Disney circuits we had <laughs> like we found a playlist and it's called like I Wanna Be a Stripper or something. And we were like, Yeah, but it's hilarious. It was like, um, oh, what is it that you can leave your hat on and that oh, on, like, All of these. <laughs> and we were like, Yes, get the stripper playlist on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I'm with you on the cardio thing because again, I feel like there's a big movement in the bodybuilding industry that Stairmaster is the elite. cardio like for me the elite form of cardio is the one that you're going to put the most effort into like for me I would be one of those people on the stairmaster on like level three and after five minutes I'd be like yeah I'm done with this now (laughs) just because for me it's boring and I also get really annoyed that I keep tripping up the steps all the time so I'm like I don't want to do this so for me I actually prefer cross trainer and I know there's an argument that with it you having to Put the effort into it that it's not optimal. Um I'm using inverted commas there. Um but for me it's kinder to my joints and I actually feel like I have to do something. I- I'm responsible for doing something. So I probably put more effort into that than I would the stairmaster. Yeah. So I think it's just whichever one you feel is most comfortable for you, even though they're all horrible. <laughs> I've, I've done a mix of
0: a lot of different things i have to say like the sandmaster i did do that at the back end of prep but i don't think i would do that again because when i started prep last year i didn't do it because my joint it was so bad on my knees mm-hmm. and i was like i literally like my knees cannot take this and then imagine doing like a 20 week prep or something every single like it gets every single day you're on the sandmaster walking up those steps like My
1: knees, my my hips, my ankles—I they're just broken. (laughs) I can't even do an incline walk on a treadmill either because I get like shin splints and all sorts going on. So I just—I've always just found for me the cross trainer just works because it's Mm. more gentle on my joints. And for me, pain is something that will limit me in terms of how I apply myself. So yeah, um, anything that's going to make me hurt i don't mean weight training by the way because that's a different kind of pain but like if i'm well even with weight training to be honest if i've got an exercise that doesn't work well for me and it's causing me pain oh, i won't like I, I don't squat no i don't uh because i don't connect with them very well and i mean the only squat that you'll ever really see me doing is a pendulum um and I know that sounds really torturous because they're probably one of the most difficult ones, but I've got really long femurs. So as a movement, it's more like a leg press and that works quite well for me. Um, But because of my long femurs, I really struggle to do any form of squat movement in a productive way. And so we just don't do it. We don't use it. So, you know, I think there's lots of arguments in the bodybuilding industry about what is optimal Um, but I think personally my definition of what's optimal is what what works best for you and that's gonna that's gonna be driven by you as an individual we're all unique we all yes there are scientific things that will say this works well for the human body. And, you know, you should do this if you want to achieve this result. But there's also lots of individual elements that I think a lot of people overlook in terms of how you're motivated, what your pain thresholds are um, how your body is put together, which means that, yes, that might be optimal um for humans but then you're taking away the individual element which means that that might actually be optimal do you know what i mean
0: absolutely and i think it is very it is very individual and it is a lot to do with motivation as well like if your goal is you're prepping for the olympia do you know what you're gonna have to take in these one percent differences but if your goal is just to get on stage for the first time or just like stepping on a regional stage something like that go and do what you enjoy and whether that's doing like hit circuits i've done boxing before as part of my cardio, and i love that like do you know what your heart rate's up if you're doing like a boxing circuit with your mate right you're having a laugh at the same time so you're tripping over yourself and try not to punch each other in the face my heart rate's up doing that my heart rate's up on the stairmaster I'm hating life in the stairmaster yeah like take what you enjoy and like I encourage my girls I'm like if you want to go to spin class go to spin class your heart rate's gonna be up you know where it needs to be you're gonna be burning fat like we're cool go and do that twice a week if that's what you enjoy and that's what's going to push you
1: through yeah 100% I think that you know I quite often say to people that because I really I'm not results focused when it comes to bodybuilding like for me it's about just improving and being better Yeah, like you know I know that there's a certain part of the population that really wants to win and I get that and if that's your motivation that's cool this isn't me slamming this but for me I'm more about just being better. Every time I step on stage, I just want to be better and I want to present a look that I like and I am happy with. And if that means I get a trophy, great. If it doesn't, I've at least stepped on stage, looked at the pictures and been like, like, yeah, I was happy with that, like regardless of how I place. But for me, bodybuilding's always kind of been a bit like, I'm happy to accept the results that I get with the effort that I'm willing to put into it you know, so it's like, and I'll always apply myself 100% um, um, when it comes to like prep and stuff like that, you know, I'm not cheating on my diet, I'm making sure that I'm training to the best of my ability. If I've got cardio to do, God damn it, um, I will make sure that I do it to the effort levels that's required. Um, But then, you know, if I look at myself in off season, and I'm like, can I say that I've always 100% stuck to my diet? No. Can I always say that I've trained 100% no you know that there's there's certain yeah. elements I look at in my journey where I'm like I haven't applied myself a hundred percent but at the same time I can also look back and say do you know what uh I'm in a, a position where I'm happy to accept the mm-hmm. amount of progress that I've been able to make living the bodybuilding lifestyle the way that I wanted to live it because I have no regrets yeah, <laughs> so-
0: absolutely and I think it's very important as well that like there is going to be a day that you are not going to be a bodybuilder anymore. That might be when you're 50, when you're 60, you know, that might be tomorrow. You don't, you like, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Like you could get ill or something. It means you can't compete anymore. You don't know what's going to happen down the line. And if all of your focus has always been living this bodybuilder lifestyle, always eating out of Tupperware, not going to um, friends, family engagement party things, because you are a bodybuilder and you can't do that. What is going to be left if all that got taken away from you tomorrow? Yeah. And I think that if you're doing it like you said and you're taking your off season as I still go out and see my friends, maybe some weekends if you want to have a drink, you have a drink. Like, I probably wouldn't advocate drinking every single weekend and get pissed up because that's (laughs) well. But, like, if it, you know, your, your best mates get married, get drunk with them, cool. But, do you see what I mean like you still have a life outside of it that's going to make you a much happier individual as well yeah and And I um, think a lot more memories in life as well
1: 100% like I think I I was saying to someone the other day that like the reason why I'm so relaxed about enjoying myself on my bodybuilder journey is because I don't want to look back when my bodybuilding career ends and think I regret things that I missed during my bodybuilder time like I don't want to have any animosity towards my bodybuilding career because I was 100% in and missed things that I could have done because of being all in for bodybuilding so I allow myself to uh eat things that I want to eat or you know obviously I would say prep is different prep is all in or nothing but like you know I allow myself to be a bit more flexible in my off season so that I don't regret missing anything when it comes to the end of me competing because I I wouldn't want to look back and be like oh I wasted five years and I missed out on this this and this because I was all in on bodybuilding when I could have a bit bit of both
0: absolutely um so let's take it back right to the beginning then yeah yeah Made you want to compete anyway
1: it is the typical story I guess in a sense of I was one of those people I've always been very active you know I've, I've always been into sports since I was tiny tiny um and I was going to the gym five days a week and I didn't really know why <laughs> do you know what I mean I was like I was like I wasn't seeing my body change and I was training and I liked training and I was like what am I doing with this? Why, why am I here? So I kind of got to a point where I had some friends that were powerlifters and some friends that were bodybuilders. And I was like, I'd maybe like to give one of those a go. Um, and then one of my very good friends, Rosie, um, she she competed with PCA in 2018. And um, I was like, I went and watched her show and supported her. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool actually. And then I watched the British finals, and I was like, "Yeah, I think I want to do this." And then I signed up with uh, Josh McHale, who's my coach, uh, at the back end of 2018, and I guess that's is that's been the story since then is bodybuilding. So oh,
0: nice. you've always been with Josh as well. Then,
1: well, I had I was coached by another coach um prior to Josh for about eight months but that was just more lifestyle coaching you know I just I wanted to get holiday body ready um the typical I want to get holiday body ready um but you know when I decided that I wanted to compete um I I wanted to work with a coach who was doing well um (laughs) in the industry where i saw myself fitting which you know at the time it was pca um that's all i had my eyes set on was pca um and when i went to british finals in 2018 you know josh had british champions and people placing well and i was like it just made sense for me to approach him to have a conversation um you know that's something that I'd encourage a lot of people to do if they're considering getting a coach is have a conversation with the person that they're considering because you know you've got to want to do what that person is asking you to do and if you don't like them or get on with them it's probably not going to be a very successful relationship um but you know I knew from speaking to Josh I was like he's my kind of person and yeah I've never considered another coach since you know if it ain't broke don't fix it and he's always with I've always got better which was the goal for me my physique has always improved I've always got better um and we've always done really well in terms of like placings and stuff like that so I had no reason to look anywhere else
0: yeah and I think that's like a big thing I think people are either stay with their coach when things aren't getting better like I Mm. see when they look the same every year and I'm like something's probably needs to change it, mate. Yeah. But also at the same time, like, and then that's when it is maybe time to move. But when things are staying the same and you get on with someone, just because someone else's flavor of the month, perhaps, and, like, I mean, Josh has been a big name for a while. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean that then you need to jump over to them because on Instagram they look great and shiny because just because
1: Instagram makes them look great and shiny, like, trust me. <laughs> and- <laughs> No, I hear that. I think, like, for me, I just – me and Josh have always collabed really well. Um, you know, it's probably the best way for me to s- describe it in that I we communicate really well with each other. Yeah. And I feel like I can tell him anything. So because of that, he gets everything that he needs out of me so he can steer yeah. me in the direction that I need to go. And I think that's essentially what's ensured my success because, you know, let's be real – there's no coaches out here doing anything wild compared to the next one. Like we, we all offer nutrition, training, advice, unless you're a trash coach,
0: right? yeah, and it's crap.
1: Unless you're just shit, <laughs> like, you know. We're we're all offering similar things. So, yeah. so what you're ultimately paying for is that person, who they are, what they offer, how they think, um, and whether or not you vibe with that, um. So, you know, for me, like I said, there's no denying my physique has got better year on year on year. And for me, that's all the journey has ever been about. You know, have I always got the placings that I wanted? um you know we're all in it to win it you know obviously I said earlier in the podcast that like I'm not focused on placings because I'm not really but do I go into my shows wanting to win of course yeah. that's just not my main focus you know if I don't come away with a win I'm not disappointed I can see why the girls ahead of me me. you yeah. know and and that's that's fine um but having not winning doesn't mean that josh is a shit coach you know not winning just means that there were other girls that were better than me on the day and, and i can see that so you know i can be objective with myself in that sense and be like okay where did these girls beat me where have i got to improve and then me and josh take that away and we work on a plan to make sure we deliver that
0: absolutely absolutely so what from there made you want to become a coach as well
1: I I just have a real natural leaning towards wanting to help people like that's I guess my thing I come from a background in um horse riding as well I used to be a horse riding instructor and I love that um so like I love If I've got something that I can share with people that will help them, then that kind of lights my soul on fire. Like, I love that. Um, So I guess coaching for me combines my passion of wanting to help people with my passion for something that I love, which is uh, physique improvement. Because I don't just coach competitors. I do have a few competitors now. Um, But, you know, just self-improvement stuff, you know, using physical activity to achieve your own personal goals that just it kind of ticks all the boxes for me yeah I get you I get
0: you that's cool
1: um so
0: we're gonna go into now like so you compete before if IFBB shows what was it that kind of made you decide that kind of because a lot of people are like I want to be an IFBB pro and you've kind of gone I don't want that but you've (laughs) been in those shows before what made you kind of change your mind with that
1: yeah so Obviously, this is anything that I say is not slamming anyone that has the IFBB dream because, you know, I get it. I have respect for it. I tried it. You know, Um, it is an amazing accolade to achieve. And I have the utmost respect for the IFBB. Anything that I'm about to say isn't discrediting that at all. Um, I think, you know, if I take it back to when I first competed in 2019, IFBB wasn't even in my plan. You know, it wasn't something that I even thought about. (laughs) So it was just PCA. And that that was, you know, I planned to do two PCA shows at regionals and that was it. I hadn't even thought about PCA British finals or anything like that. Like it was just, I just want to do my local PCA regional. um, And then I might do the show the weekend after if I want to try to qualify for British finals. That was it. IFBB was not on the cards. Um, you know, I went into it very much like I just want to see how much I can push myself. Didn't yeah. expect to win. <laughs> you know, I did not expect to win. So for me, it was it was always PCA. Um, obviously, you don't know what you're gonna your physique is really gonna look like until you get lean enough. And, you know, I think it was pretty obvious when I got lean enough that I held quite a lot of muscle as a bikini girl, you know, I've always probably been on the more muscular end of the bikini category. Um, And I, I obviously just fit really well what PCA were looking for, because I won my first show, I won my second show, I qualified for British finals. And then there was a big gap between my second show and British finals. And then everyone's like, Oh, you should try, you should try two bros, you should try two bros. And they were quite I, then, weren't they? Because were they, yeah, came about? yeah, I think it was 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah. Um, but like for me, like I said, I didn't come into bodybuilding as a diehard bodybuilding fan, like I just came into it as something to do. So I didn't really know anything about the IFBB, which sounds crazy now because as a bodybuilder, if you don't know about the IFBB, it's kind of like who are you but like (laughs) back then I was just like "Well, I only planned to do PCA just to give me something to focus on like it wasn't the the goal I didn't have the IFBB dream but I thought I said to Josh I was like oh should we just should we just do an IFBB show and see how I get on so we did that and you know I won the novice class and I came forth in my the open class and um keeping it 100 PCA was still always the goal you know I I jumped on the IFBB stage I was like okay this is cool but I don't know if that's where I want to go and I did PCA British finals that year and I I didn't place um and if I'm being honest I think if PCA If the way you could get a PCA pro card worked back then like it does now, I probably would never have competed with IFBB. Because back in 2019, you could only get a pro card if you won the overall of your category. And for me, I was like, I've just placed seventh in my height class. I can't see that I'm ever going to win the overall for... PCA, like you know, the standard is just so high. Like I haven't even won my class, let alone be in contention for overall. So I was like, yes, as well. Like then it was
0: only really, if you're honest with ourselves, it was only really PCA and two bros that people did for X yeah. thing. Wasn't there? Um, NFM. NFM was a thing in two It was years. just starting. It very, it very just started, hadn't it? It wasn't really yeah. like it was very small. Mm-hmm. A lot of so, other shows were just a bit. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have considered anything else, particularly with my physique, because I had a lot of muscle. Like UKBFF, for example, wouldn't have been in yeah. my eye line. And that's not me saying that UKBFF girls don't have muscle. That's just me saying that yeah, I, I probably have a bit too much muscle for what they um, would Naba
0: do. NABA's a much softer look, a lot smaller look. Like if you'd gone into NABA, you'd have gone in in toned figure
1: yeah exactly um, yeah exactly that so it's like you know I, my physique just didn't suit any of the other kinds of federations that were around so you know for me i i looked at pca and i was like do i see myself progressing here and i was like as much as i would love to i just couldn't visualize it i was like mm-hmm. i i don't see how i'm going to evolve here so then 2020 i had planned to return to pca but because of covid they only had one show that year so my plan was to do uh, an international for IFBB because I really wanted to compete abroad and see what that was about um because you know a few people had said to me you know with you being on the more muscular end you might actually suit being in an international lineup outside of the UK rather than in the UK for IFBB um so you know I had my heart set on doing one of those and then I was going to do some PCA shows but PCA only did one weekend of shows in 2020, and it clashed with the weekend that I had my IFBB show. So Mm -hmm. I'd already registered and everything for the IFBB show. And so I was like, you know, I really wanted to compete abroad. So I was like, had to park PCA for that year again. And then I got on the IFBB stage, and the girl, where? Yeah. That was the MPC European um in Spain. Oh, so no. I um that. Pardon? Yeah, Alicante, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and it was wicked, like fabulously run show. Um I had the best time out there. But like the girls on that stage and no joke like you know Alison Testu got her pro card at that show <laughs> you I know, mean like Ivy Eskander got her pro card at that show like you know we're, we're talking like Olympia level nah. <laughs> pros now that were turning up at that show as amateurs to get their pro card um, you know I, I've taken a look around and I'm like oh god like these I felt small <laughs> you know for someone that's typically been seen to be quite big on the UK scene they yeah these girls were no joke and you know I still took third in my class you know it was one of the biggest classes of the day I think there were eight or nine girls in my class and I still took third um which I I was buzzing with I wanted the top three I was was happy with that um but I guess then I just started to really have to look at whether or not I belonged in an IFBB lineup because I wasn't necessarily being rewarded the same way for my physique. And if I'm completely honest, it's, it's because I don't have the genetic structure that suits what they're looking for. And, you know, I, I, I took 2021 off because I was like, you know, I want to see how much muscle I can put on my Frame, see if that changes what my look looks like um because I clearly need more if I'm going to do well with Mm -hmm. IFBB at that pro qualifier level um and I I did that you know I improved my physique and I did well and you know the lineups that I stood in at the beginning of 2022 this is with IFBB yeah yeah with IFBB because I split my year in two last year because my thought process was I I'm gonna try both PCA and ifBB and see where I fit best yes. and I was going into it with the viewpoint of if I can secure my pro card with one of them then that's where I'll stick for the rest of my competitive career because I'm not one of these people that's like I I don't I don't personally see that ifBB is the ultimate. And I know I, some people might scoff at that when they hear me say that, but it's like, I understand the accolade of achieving that, but PCA look for something completely different. So, you know, other than trying to get to the Olympia, it's, it's kind of like apples and pears, do you know? What I mean, it's, it's, it's what you
0: want to do, isn't it? And like, to get to the Olympia, you have to be extremely, extremely genetically gifted. I and right. I mean, when you even look at the Olympia, it's, very it's the same girls in it every year give or take and because those are the girls that are like insane and your top six girls realistically is just changing around a little bit each year yeah and like and and that's just how it is the same with the
1: blokes and but that's how ha- that's the chat I had to have with myself yeah. and you know I think like I said I'm gonna spend the first half of the year on IFBB shows because you know if I s- If I secure my IFBB pro card, then, you know, that will end there and we'll we'll go from there. But, you know, I've always put myself in really uh, in the bigger pro qualifier lineups because my viewpoint for IFBB or any of even PCA is... If if I can't compete against the best amateurs on the circuit, I do not deserve my pro card, bottom line. So... Mm -hmm for me it's like you know I did Portugal that's one of the biggest pro qualifiers on the amateur circuit I did Spain again which Spain is always super popular and has a really high standard of athlete um and I was coming fourth, you know in my high class yeah Um, and so for me I was like you know and I know I look great but I look at myself in that lineup and what's strong about my physique is not what IFBB rewards. You know, I like to push for that sharper condition, which, you know, it, it's, it actively goes against you with IFBB for you to have too much condition because they, they don't want that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I also just, I don't, I spent a lot of my 20s, really struggling with my own identity and trying to fit in with what uh, I thought people should thought I should look like yeah and I hit my 30s and I was like I embrace who I am you know i got my blonde curly hair and um you know just I started to accept myself for who I was and I think IFBB have a very clear idea of the kind of styling that they want for their bikini athletes mm. and what, what how I interpret it is is that they they want you to stand out um in a lineup of girls that look like you so it's they don't want anything that distracts from the physique you know they don't want crazy bikini patterns or colors they don't want you to have a hair color that wouldn't sit in line with what you would look like. yeah so I kind of felt like I kept sacrificing pieces of myself to fit what they wanted and by the end of it I just you know, I, I couldn't flex my quads because that's not rewarded as part of the criteria. My quads are one of the strongest parts of my physique. I couldn't show off my back because they don't judge back in bikini. You always have your hair over it because it's not judged. Um, Again, back is one of my stronger parts of my physique. I dyed my hair dark because, you know, my feedback had been that they wanted me to style myself more like the girls that I looked like on the Olympia stage, which
0: is yeah. their polite
1: way of saying we don't dig the blonde hair you know it's
0: mad isn't it because like are you, are you naturally blonde as well
1: no well no when i was younger i was but i'm naturally brunette but yeah. i actually don't like my yeah. hair darker it's
0: um, Mad, like it's not if you'd gone on with like bright green hair i'd be like okay like i can see an argument for this like maybe it's not a vibe but if you're not like I'm naturally blonde, like or right, I've got a bit of bleach in this, but not a lot. It, most of it's grown out. Let's be honest. Um, but I'm naturally blonde, so if yeah. I was going to dye my hair for everyone, like like you said, that's taken away. Like who I
1: actually am. Like I'm just naturally blonde. Like this is. Yeah, but I think with you, you've got almost Scandinavian kind of looking features, and I think that that works because yeah, Scandinavian yeah. featured women would be blonde. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like if it suits you great but what they don't want or what I interpret it is obviously I'm not speaking for the yeah. IFBB the way I've interpreted it based on what I've seen having competed with them and the feedback mm-hmm. that I've had personally is when you step on stage they want you to think wow look at that physique not Wow, look at her big blonde curly hair. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? They don't want the first thing that they see of you on stage to be, oh, she's. I love the color of her bikini, or oh, like yeah. she's got. Oh, you never see girls with big blonde curly hair. That's cool. They they want you yeah. to step on stage and then be like, wow, her physique is is amazing. Uh, yeah, I get you. Um, which I. I I respect that's what they want they want it to be all about the physique but for me yeah I know that like you know I've worked hard hard for my physique and I want to people to look at my physique and think it's great but I also have my own individuality and personality and styling that is me and I felt like I had to give that up to fit what they wanted And whereas with PCA, I've always been rewarded for being unapologetically myself. And I can show off the parts of my physique that are strong for me. So for me, I've always competed because I train, not Mm -hmm. the other way around. And and so when I was trying to make myself fit more of what was IFBB, I couldn't train quads. I couldn't train back um, because I had to put my training efforts into building things like glutes and delts and all the things that well I love training delts but I definitely don't like training glutes. <laughs> so yeah. you know my oh god I hate training glutes which is probably why they've been a yeah. part of my
2: week <laughs>
1: I'm a delt if like if I could train shoulders every day <laughs> I would do that
0: Wait, but that's it, what my training is
1: right now <laughs> I just, I think we all have those areas of our physique that we love to train. But like, you know, I I just felt like I was limiting myself yeah. to fit something that I, I didn't even really think my heart was in. If I'm honest, I felt like I was chasing the IFBB dream, but I don't even think it was really my dream. Like I said at the start. Should have been your dream.
0: The dream that you feel is like pushed upon you. Like, everyone else wants this, so you should want this too.
1: Yeah, I was, well, even for a while, I was like, I dedicated so much of my time to being more what IFBB wanted because I didn't think I would ever get my PCA pro card because the opportunities were so scarce.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I was like, okay, well, if I want to be a professional bodybuilder, IFBB seems like the route to go because there's more opportunities to do that. But then PCA started giving more opportunities. So that then became that came back on my radar. Um, And I even found myself saying at the start of the 2022 season before I even got on stage, I really hope I don't get my IFBB pro card because that means I'll never compete with PCA again and you know and uh, that that's not me again disrespecting the IFBB it just kind of told me where my heart was you know I was like I wanted to get back on the IFBB stage I wanted to see if I could fit what they wanted as a bikini athlete um and when I stepped on stage at Midlands when I took the overall at Midlands like that for me was like full acceptance of me yeah
2: you know I
1: mean I got up there and I flexed my quads and I showed them my back and okay. I didn't have the blonde hair then, but that's coming back this year. But yeah, (laughs) I was like, I felt at home. I felt at peace. I was like, this, this is always what I wanted. And I think that just came across that way. And I felt, I felt, I just felt at peace. I was (laughs) like, "This, this is where I belong. And I feel no shame in saying that I do not fit what the IFBB looks for I don't have the genetic structure that fits what would be a, a good IFBB pro like if I ever turned pro I don't think I'd be a good one
2: Yeah, you know
1: I don't I couldn't see myself standing in the top six on an IFBB pro stage and for me I want to continue competing once yeah. I get pro status I don't want to be there to make up numbers Mm. um and I just feel like because my structure better suits what, what PCA are looking for I can be more competitive on a PCA pro stage and hold my own and I might not always place um because the standard is exceptional like it's just getting better and better with PCA bikini now um but at least I feel like I can be myself and I can show off my physique the way I want to present it rather than l- limiting it because I'm trying to make a round peg fit in a square hole mm-hmm. the thing
0: is as well by doing it that way round I think if you then decided two three years down line, actually I want to give this another bash I want to give going IFBB pro another bash you could mm-hmm. you'd done it the other way around and you got your pro card like you said you could then limited to only competing with the IFBB mm-hmm. and like you might have had experiences, like being a judge, right, with PCA. If you'd got your IPB Pro card, you wouldn't be able to do that.
1: But I think this is the other thing that I'm loving about being involved with PCA is the other opportunities that I've been given since I turned pro because, you know, they can, at their discretion, offer you the opportunity to judge, and I jumped on that. I was like, of course I want to be involved in that. Um, you know, and they will ask athletes to get involved with, like, photo shoots and stuff like that. It just, for me, feels like more of a a team kind of environment. Like, and and that's what I, I love about it. You know, this isn't a driving or a motivating force for everybody. You know, each person has their own thing. Some people want to be an IFBB pro because that means the most to them but for me I like being a part of something mm. and with PCA I feel like I'm a part of a community
2: yeah. and
1: um that that's motivating to me that's Absolutely. that makes me want to keep going um but yeah I, I just I, I think like I guess <laughs> summarizing like I I just better genetically suit what PCA wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's I don't think there's any shame in looking at your physique and saying maybe I'm not quite right for what IFBB are looking Mm for Um, or vice versa. Maybe I'm not quite right for what PCA are looking for. You know, you can tell what they're looking for by the poses and how it's presented, Mm -hmm. you know, with with PCA, it's very much about all angles (laughs) looking at that you know you're you're judged full circle front back and side poses IFBB you're only judged on your front and back pose um both of those poses are designed to show off particular parts of your physique your shoulders small waist glutes Mm -hmm. um they're the main focus areas so for me I just I look at some of the girls that you know i'm close with who are ifbb pros you know sam Minchel being be in one of them yeah. um you know and me I, I stand next to her and i'm like she is she is she couldn't be any more ifbb pro do you know what i mean she's phenomenal um but i i mean she she obviously is pro everything to be honest but like, obviously she's i have um
0: nfm yeah and then obviously she went on poker she never got to go to America
1: but um yeah she's going she, she fits you know yeah. she fits what IFBB look for and she's got that structure and she'll keep building on, on it and i have no doubt that she she's not gonna be someone that we forget about you know yeah. I, i'm sure she'll do big things because she has that structure um but if you put me and her next to each other we're we're both we both have great physiques, but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, And I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm not IFBB pro quality. Um, I
0: don't think there's anything wrong with that. And like, that's kind of like what my next question is, but you kind of answered a lot of it anyway, was kind of like thinking if there are, because a lot of people say like, oh, anyone can turn pro, you've just got to work hard enough. And like, I've kind of always been like, no, I genuinely believe it. it's not because being pro isn't just like having loads of fucking muscle and being really lean. Because yeah. if it was just really, really muscular and really, really lean, like yeah. yeah, anyone could do that, yeah, within reason, right? Um, probably some people would have to take a hell of a lot of gear, but you know, to get that amount of muscle. But if that was it, like anyone, yeah. yes, could do it. But it's not. It is a genetic thing, and I kind of want to talk about like the limiting factors that you feel like. What are the genetic factors? that you feel like you need for that IFBB, Yeah,
2: so
1: I think that I'm, I'm with you. You know, I'm not saying that hard work can't outdo talent. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it can if talent isn't putting in any effort. Yeah. Right? But if talent is putting in effort, it doesn't matter how hard you try. If you don't have the genetic structure that is looked for um it you're never going to outdo someone that has yeah you know the sad reality of it is is when you're talking about ifbb pros they are genetically and you know the olympians are like the creme de la creme of the genetic um and let's face it anyone at that level is trying hard enough to be doing well and i guarantee it sounds awful but They'll probably put in half the amount of effort that someone without genetic potential would put in and still succeed at that level. Um, you know, I think when it comes to bikini, obviously they're looking for a particular, we'll say X-frame, but it's presented differently to what it would be in like a PCA or something like that. But you know, typically the, the, the thing that i think a lot of people overlook is width across the clavicle right which is something that it doesn't matter how hard you train you've yeah. either got that or you haven't yeah. right um so obviously width across the clavicle is going to create that top line that they're looking for in the X shape um yeah. if you don't have a wide clavicle or width across your clavicle it you can't train that you can't create that it's it's a structural
0: thing um what's that with your waist as well like with pca you you can and like for x nfm you've got more of freedom with posing and you can hide your waist if you can pose properly you can hide your waist with IFBB. you cannot hide if your waist is really thick
1: yeah exactly that and you know i think there's other things that people overlook like uh muscle insertions yeah. right so, like i know so, like they love round bubbly muscle so yeah. if you've got um long stretched out muscle you're never going to have that same bubbly pop as someone with short
0: insertion points yeah
1: points it's it's things like this that i think people it doesn't matter how much muscle you slam on it like you know I've got quite long insertions um Mm -hmm. when it comes to you know I've got long limbs (laughs) so obviously they're stretched across my limbs so I've got dense muscle but it doesn't necessarily always pop you know Mm -hmm. but I can't change that I can keep building density and it'll keep improving but am I always gonna have am I gonna ever have that short bubbly compact Uh, height in my muscles no (laughs) and it doesn't matter how hard I train it just
0: and I think with IFBB they want that like bubbly like glute shelf going down into that tie-in and like really strong tie-ins into the
1: hamstring like that's to be fair I will say there's a misconception with the tie-in um so I think that everyone's chasing this sharp tie-in they actually don't it's
0: like going into the hamstring isn't
1: it so they 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 don't want completely closed tie-ins um because that's too sharp for them in terms of condition but they obviously do want to see the out they want height in the upper part of the glute they want to see the shape of the glute but not to the point where there's complete separation between the glute and the hamstring um which I have lean legs and this is another thing that we forget about is body fat distribution you know when you get lean can you get lean in the right areas um you know because for me my legs hold the least amount of body fat on my frame so you know when they're saying that they don't want sharpness in the lower half I can't I pretty much can't help that like in order to get lean enough that comes as part of it I have no control over that it doesn't matter how hard I try or how hard I train that that's quite hard to check you you can't we always say you can't control where you lose your body fat from yeah um again it's does your does your body favor you that way um mm-hmm. there's there's just lots of things that I think you've either got it or you haven't yeah and I mean with the utmost respect that's not me saying that um people that haven't got that structure are bad competitors because they're not it's just they might not be the elite that's required to be yeah. IFB yeah
0: and also I think like we were saying like go and win the other shows first because you see it a lot like oh I'm chasing my pro card I'm like you've never won a show like why are you gonna win your pro card like
1: but I do, I do, I am a big believer that if IFBB Pro is what you want, then focusing on that federation yeah. might be the thing to do because I do feel quite passionately that PCA, FitX, NFM, they're not step-ups to IFBB. Oh, <laughs> do yeah. you know, like, yeah. that, that's kind of the way I see It's just because you do well with these federations doesn't mean you're then automatically
0: yeah. going to do well with yeah. IFBB. What I mean is, like, they've never won any show. Oh yeah, of course. Any show. They've never won any overall, and then they're like, "I'm going to get my pro card." I'm like,
1: Bye. "I think that's the that's a that seems to have been a mindset that's creeped in probably the last maybe two years." Because when I when I first started, I didn't see it as strong where people were going into competitions expecting wins or yeah. expecting swords. You know, it took me. I was in five overalls before I got my sword. Yeah. I I, I was in, I won seven classes before I got a championship title Mm -hmm. um, and my pro card. Um, But there seems to be a big mindset now about, oh, I've got to win the whole show or I'm not doing good enough. And it's like, I, I think that for me, you can bring your best and still not be the best do you know what I mean and I think that that's something that people need to understand coming into this sport is your best might not be better than someone else's best on the day it doesn't make you crap (laughs) it just means that someone better suited the criteria on the day and that's fine you know you take that you take away from that where you need to improve to put yourself in a position to become undeniable um but it doesn't mean that when you turn up for your for- first show that because you've sacrificed a lot and because you've worked hard to get yourself to the position that you're in that you automatically get rewarded a win for that it just doesn't
0: yeah doesn't work like that some of it as well as social media like I guess when you started competing like you did have Instagram and stuff but like it wasn't really like there wasn't much on there
1: no but I think um I think as well like there's maybe since the year since I started competing it's definitely become more popular on social media and I think it's become more common now that people will go into their first show and take a win yeah yeah Know or go into their first show and take an overall, especially with first timers shows now. Um, because there are specific first timer shows, people will see people going into a first show taking a win, taking a sword. But it's yeah. not like it, people that win are the exception, not the rule. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it, there are so many more people that don't win that do. Um, and I just that's why i try really hard to focus on the mindset of just bringing my best and that being the win and if it's enough to secure anything else on the day then great yeah you know um but i think that people think that their best means they should get the ultimate reward and but everybody's trying their best I you know so their best. Yeah.
0: But what i mean is maybe so it, because you see on social media now, you've got loads more coaches than you did before. Oh, yeah. Loads more competitors than you did before. And you're constantly getting like wins rammed down your throat. And it's like, I mean, I don't know whether you feel this from a coaching perspective as well, is that all the coaches are like, you know, my clients have won every show, this client's another win, another win, another win, another win. And you're yeah. constantly consuming that as both a coach and an athlete. Is everyone around you seems to be winning. Now the reality is that not everyone around you is winning, (laughs) and a lot of things aren't necessarily spoken about. Like I've seen coaches that will put on Instagram another win, another win, another win. They're not talking about their athletes that I've seen on stage that were Mm last. They they're not on there. They're they're not them out. But you see that you're constantly seeing win, 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 win in your face. So when you don't win, it's probably going to make you feel worse. And, like, well, everyone else is winning, so why aren't I? The reality is not everyone else is winning. You've got, like, eight, nine competitors on stage. One of them is winning. Mm -hmm. This one. Not all eight of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying there completely. Um, It's – I think there's a big part of it around – how you're influenced by this stuff so you know i think there's always the argument around who's responsible the influencer or the influenced um you're never gonna have any control over what people put out there obviously that's their own prerogative and what they want to do but you do have full control over how you consume that content and what you take from it um You know, so when I see people posting about their wins now, I celebrate that for them and I'm happy for them. But it doesn't impact me because I'm not focused on results. You know, so so for me, how that influencer is pushing that content doesn't resonate with me the same way because I'm not in this journey for the wins. I'm in it for just being better. So um, whereas if you are the kind of person that is, motivated by placings then you're going to get triggered by people that are constantly posting about their successes because that's also what you want for yourself as well um and you're also going to feel more triggered and irritated if you're not achieving that success yeah um so you know I think that's just that's an individual mindset thing I I don't know what the answer is in terms of saying to people didn't be focused that way because I think we all have our own motivations yes,
0: it's always it's one side of the story and like I said yourself and me we're at a lot of shows and you see a lot of people that aren't placing and you see Instagram people say is like the highlight reel but it's also a lot of the time a lie as well and like when you're in the industry and you're at lots of shows you see the full picture a bit well not you don't see the full picture but you see a lot more of the picture don't you And a lot more of what is really going on and a lot more that actually, like, not everyone's
1: winning. I mean, this is the thing, or even sometimes people are winning, but they may be the only person in their class. Do you know what I mean? And that's not to take anything away from them. They've still done whatever they needed to do to achieve that result. But not everyone is out here winning in a class of 15. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, But I think that you have to take everything you see with a pinch of salt because people are only going to put across the perspective that they want you to see yeah um but like i say how you're influenced by other people's content is that's a personal decision i yeah. think um so like i say you can't ever stop people from pushing the agenda that they want to push so you know, it's about asking yourself, how do you want to be impacted by that?
0: Yeah. So, next kind of thing we're going to talk about. I'm just conscious of time as well.
1: <laughs> We've been chatting.
0: Ages. Okay, well, <laughs> really quickly, obviously, say as well. What would you explain? We'll just go through kind of like bikini wellness figure. Is there criteria for those classes? Because that's kind of like the main people I say that listen to this podcast. And what would you say differs from that to any other or other
1: federations? So for PCA. Yeah, yeah, so I think um, it's common for people to get really confused about the criteria, but I think it's really important before I get into any of this for people to understand that the criteria is like a benchmark, right? The criteria is something for you to aim for, but it's very rare that you ever get anyone that exactly hits the criteria. Right so I think what what judges and federations get a lot of stick for is, oh, how does that represent the criteria? That doesn't represent the criteria. <laughs> but if there was no one on stage that perfectly fit the criteria, someone still needs to win. Yeah. So it's not about who perfectly fits the criteria. It's about who closest fits the criteria on the day. And speaking now from a judge's perspective, there isn't always a situation where someone perfectly fits the criteria. So you just have to go with who closest matches the criteria. Um, So that's why when you're looking at pages where you're seeing results, you know, try to remember that if you don't think that the athlete that won or placed second or placed third um, accurately fits the the criteria, it's because they would have been the closest fit to the criteria.
0: And like we said earlier, Uh, sometimes there might only be one or two in the class. So you've got one or two
1: to pick from. I think when it comes comes to championship shows, they're going to represent... Closer to the standard yeah yeah um but regionals you can get quite mixed turnout yeah um, and you know as well if you're looking at a first-timers show for example um you know these are first-timers people that they're, they're seeing how they fit against the criteria and sometimes you know there isn't a perfect example and that's absolutely fine um it's about who closest fits but the championship shows normally show you a better representation of the standard because there will be a a larger range of people on stage and be invited to it as well yeah absolutely so you know I think yeah I just wanted to caveat that and obviously anything that I say about the criteria this is going to be my own personal opinion like I'm not here um speaking on behalf of PCA I am just one judge on the panel um and but yeah, it's in, in terms of like, if we go through, we'll start with bikini, obviously, that's my criteria. So for PCA in particular, there's various categories that you can enter for bikini, so junior, masters, then you'll have bikini, short and tall, there might be a medium if there's enough athletes, but there will always be typically short and tall, and then trained. So there's normally five or six bikini categories. Um, you know, now typically with uh bikini, uh, the, the junior category you'd expect, you want to see signs of training. You know, you want there to be muscular definition, um, but you don't want any obvious striations, okay? So you shouldn't be absolutely shredded to the bone. Um, this is for what I would say, anything excluding masters and trained because their criteria is a little bit different but you know with junior for example um typically you know you can get away with junior being a little bit softer because you know they're not as muscularly developed typically at that age um so they might be slightly smaller slightly softer um then you've got your open height categories so again they will just be similar to junior but maybe a little bit more muscular a little bit more conditioned um then you've got trained and masters which again you'd expect them to be more muscular and more conditioned again because of their muscle maturity and their muscular development um you know i'd say that masters and trained um sometimes can also um push for or have a more conditioned look because um, that's part of their category criteria to, to have that so it's, it's almost like if you imagine it on a, a scale yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know trained and masters will be the most muscular and the most conditioned I'd say trained would be the most muscular masters would be a little bit less muscular than that but they'd have similar levels of condition Uh, the height classes so the open bikini classes if that's what you want to call them they would be a little bit smaller a little bit less conditioned and then junior would be similar to the open height classes but you can sometimes get away with them having a little less condition and a little less muscularity because of where they're at in their training age I guess Um, so yeah did you have any
0: what would you say would be the difference between the maybe pca bikini compared to like FedEx or nfm or um UKUP, something like that like where would you say because i tend to find people say like oh my god it's so different and i'm like realistically like take emily wilkinson for example like she won the pca overall i would say she can't won the FEX overall like it's not people seem to think like it's this massive massive difference and you can only compete with one federation and th- that's their look and no one else is going to like you. And that's not the case at all, is it?
1: No, I think like, um, I mean, I don't know an awful lot about uh, the likes of UKUP. That, you know, that sounds really yeah. offensive. I don't I don't mean it that way. It's just, I've never competed with them and I haven't really focused down that group. So, you know, I can't comment on them. But, you know, I think if you look at the X nfm UK and PCA, you can have af- you, or you do commonly get athletes that compete with all three and do quite well. So I don't, I obviously can't speak on behalf of Fitex and, um, NFM, but, um, I think there's a similar, I mean, I know that NFM and Fitex, I think structure their classes a little bit differently. So I know NFM have, you know, they have like diva classes and like, yeah. They like
0: have,
1: yeah. Um, but
0: the same as PCA really in terms of junior open um and trained masters but they have masters 35 masters 40 um so it's split a little bit more with masters NFM are the same again but then they have um diva as well, but that's completely different that's just like more posing and
1: flicking your hair and things um, <laughs> yeah no I think that like I say, you can, PCA has the reputation for going for more muscular, more conditioned look. Yeah. Um, again, like I, I've always felt quite passionately about this, that, um, the coaches and the athletes are responsible for what goes on stage, yeah. you know, and the judges can only judge what's up there. So if everybody is shredded, then someone who's shredded is going to win. Yeah. You know, if, if everybody up there is muscular, then someone who's muscular is going to win. Um, and I think that that's what tends to happen when it comes to PCAs because they have the reputation of preferring a a leaner, more muscled look. Yeah. That's what tends to end up on that that stage. Um, you know, that doesn't always necessarily mean that the most conditioned and the most muscular girl on stage is gonna win, um, because that doesn't necessarily make them an accurate fit for the category criteria you know if somebody turns up who's appropriately muscled and appropriately conditioned they might beat the person who's the leanest and the biggest on stage because it's not about that it's not about who's the biggest and who's the leanest it's about who closest fits the category criteria um Mm -hmm. so I think what ultimately tends to happen is is when you come to the championship shows everyone's pushing to level up a little bit more yeah. um because of that everyone ends up coming in a little bit leaner which then kind yeah. of blurs the lines a little bit around what separates the criteria um mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's necessarily what the federation is driving it's just they're always going to reward whoever is best on stage and whoever best fits the the criteria yeah, so well, that's always what I've
0: always had is that like PCA is very very conditioned and then I've been to shows and athletes that are fairly soft have actually won. Mm-hmm. But it's not always just who's the leanest, which no. is kind of like almost what like people seem to say. And like obviously you're gonna want condition, but it's not necessarily just condition
1: that wins a show. No, I think like I said, it's it's the lineup. Yeah. You know, it, it is gonna depend on the lineup. Um, but it is always gonna be about who closest fits the criteria and you know I think like you say if you look at universe you know I think that there were some great examples um, in the bikini category um, where they weren't super shredded and they were winning you know they weren't the leanest girls on stage but you looked at their physiques and they had appropriate muscularity they had appropriate definition without having striation, visible striations, Um, you know, they had that fullness and that athletic look about them that fit what the criteria wanted. And there would, may have been leaner girls around that girl, but that girl was rewarded for closest, fitting the criteria the closest. Um, So, you know, I think, universe is a good one to look at I think this weekend because it wasn't necessarily about who was leanest um but yeah with bikini
0: good competitors in there as well really good. good
1: yeah the standard was very high um but yeah I think it's it's just it's about reading the criteria and then taking your own physique and getting as close to that as possible instead of chasing what other winners have done. Yeah. Take the criteria and then bring the physique for yourself that represents that. Because if you're constantly trying to chase what's being rewarded that shows, Mm -hmm. it could be very different from show to show based on who turns up on the day. And then you're ultimately chasing a look that's being rewarded rather than what the criteria actually says
0: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so what would you say then wellness and figure because you've got a couple figure classes as well haven't you
1: yeah so wellness um is just a single category because you know it's it's still relatively new and i I think you know people are still trying to find their feet with that um wellness should have a similar level of muscularity to bikini in the upper half of the body um, but should have a significant lower body dominance um in comparison to their upper body so we would expect to see more muscular development in the glutes hamstrings and quads um and that's muscular development okay so um i think that there's a common misconception that you just have to look bigger in your lower half of the body but you know we still need to see the appropriate uh muscle muscular development in that area to be able to truly fit what wellness should represent so you know i'd probably say that there should be a similar level of condition um in wellness to bikini um in that, there needs to be visible signs of the muscle groups in in that lower well all over yeah but like say it Need to be able to see the muscular development in the glutes, hams, and yeah, quads.
0: I find that um, wellness such a nice category done well, but I find wellness is the biggest hit-almost category ever. And the problem is you get people, like you said, that are bigger in the bottom half, but they're bigger because they're holding a lot of body fat, not because they're holding muscle. If they I come think, down the bikini,
1: yeah, no, I think um. I think there's still work to be done in the wellness category. Um, but, you know, that that's the same with with anything. When it's new, it's going to be a lot of people trying to figure out where they fit. Like, I love wellness. Yeah. But, but I also think that wellness is a very genetic category. Again, like we've talked about with bikini, it's kind of like, I, I wish I could develop my legs and glutes to, to look like that. But I don't have the genetic capability to, I don't, you know, it's my, my body structure isn't set up for that. Um, But I think that, you know, as women, we tend to hold a lot of our uh, natural body fat from the abs down. Um, And I think sometimes that can give people the perspective that they are wellness because when they're not lean, they look lower body dominant. Um, so, you know, when people ask me if they would be wellness, I typically say to them that they should probably do a, a fat loss phase first to see how their muscle distribution sits because they may find that once they've lost body fat, that they the muscle distribution might actually end up being quite even. Mm. Um, but like I say, you, and you can work to develop Oh, that, you know if you really want to be in wellness um you know it's just about potentially understanding that there may be some more work to do before you will be an accurate representation of what wellness requires um but I think what tends to happen or what is happening at the moment is is that there aren't um there aren't many wellness competitors at the moment like it's not as popular as your bikini categories um so um when you get athletes on stage um they may again like bikini may not be an accurate fit for the criteria but they might be the closest fit to the criteria um but that can vary from show to show dependent on what turns up and then people seem to get quite confused about what's being looked for um but with it being a developing category it's going to take some time before we see the amount of athletes coming through to kind of set the standard yeah, yeah I can't um cuz i think when you've got more people turning on stage the standard is going to be more consistent Um, whereas when there's less the standard can be more varied so because it really does depend on who turns up on the day so you know I think again looking at the championship what's being rewarded in the championship shows is going to be a more accurate representation because at that level you're going to have more um, athletes to compare against um, um, of a particular standard to be able to better see what's being re- rewarded against the criteria.
0: And I guess in overalls as well, like if there's a wellness girl that's winning overall, she, she's against the bikini girl. So we thought then her standards would be very high. Um, but it is. it's really difficult when you've only got maybe one or two wellness girls on stage and they're going to win because it's only them ones where maybe actually they don't really fit the criteria. But when people then look on Instagram, it's like, well, you said this is wellness. We didn't say that was wellness. We said that's just what fitted best on that day. So
1: they won. Yeah. I think this is what goes back to what I was saying at the start. It's like it's really important that, you know, people understand that it's not not every show are you going to get a perfect example of what represents the criteria. You know, if I'm really honest with myself, do I always think that I've perfectly fit the criteria when I've won? Potentially not. You know, I've always boarded on the upper end of bikini toned and bikini trained. I will say bikini toned. There's no bikini toned anymore. It's just bikini or bikini trained. But um I've always been on the very upper end of it. Um, but when I've been rewarded, it's probably been because I've best fit the criteria on the day, yeah. even if I'm not an exact match for the criteria. Um, so I think. That's the thing people need to understand is it's the closest fit. Yeah. Not exact fit. And I, I think it's really hard to get an exact. Yeah. Exact fit. Absolutely. Um, figure. Um, so if you do a PCA figure, you've got toned, athletic and trained. And again, similar to bikini, they just go up in levels of muscularity and condition. So obviously trained would be your biggest and most muscular. You'd expect to see striations and significant muscle mass um in in that physique athletic would be slightly less muscular and slightly less conditioned than that and then toned would be less muscular and less conditioned than that again um so yeah i i, I know that sounds really simplified yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i guess um toned would be closer to the condition levels that you would expect to see in bikini um maybe a little bit more conditioned because you would expect the figure girls to be a little bit bigger and a little bit more conditioned than the bikini girls yeah Uh, but yeah I'd probably say that toned would be more around that level you'd still expect to see visible muscular development uh without strong striations um you know it's it's similar in terms of the criteria in terms of condition levels um but yeah athletic you just if you put them all in a line you should just (laughs) they should you should have one that's the least conditioned and the least muscled and then they progress
0: yeah because your biggest class in terms of muscularity and condition is your trained figure, isn't it? You don't do women's physique, you don't do women's bodybuilding. No. So, no. Start... And they wear heels as well, still for trained figure, don't they?
1: Yeah. So, obviously, heels come off for routines, but yeah, yeah for the comparison rounds, heels are on for all, all the
0: yeah. figure categories. Yeah. It's interesting, like how, as well, like different. So what I would say in PCA is your trained figure with Fitex would be your women's physique.
1: Okay. Do you, you have trained figure?
0: Yes. Yeah, so we, but we don't have athletic. So it's uh, okay. figure, which is your trained figure, yeah. trained figure, but there's no athletic figure. And then it goes okay. with physique, which would be the same as your trained figure, and then women's bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, is a really. They, both of those seem to be really quite quiet classes, um, which is a shame because they're wicked classes.
1: But um... I you know, used to have women's physique, um, but it wasn't a popular class. So I think this is yeah. where the athletic and trained has come in um, to allow yeah. people to compete at that level, but without having a completely separate category.
0: Yeah.
1: For it. You could argue with the trained... Bigger category that women that might fall into physique could probably compete. That one, yeah. Bigger category, um, depending obviously on how big and how conditioned they are, because yeah. um, again, it's open to interpretation. And some people that may deem themselves to be physique could sit quite nicely in an athletic lineup, depending yeah. on how muscular and conditioned they are but again I think obviously different federations have their different interpretations yeah, of what yeah. that looks like um I think if you're a physique competitor maybe it might potentially put people off competing with PCA because they may think that they don't fit anywhere because there isn't a physique category um but it may just mean that they just go under the umbrella of trained yeah um instead of physique um it's like how in nfm they don't have wellness they have shape don't they
0: and their bikinis is called like women's beach as well yeah. which is really confusing because <laughs> so, the thing is like once you get it all and you've like been in it for a while you get that it's just different names and then what yeah. I find is get clients and they're like what no i'm not this i'm this and i'm like no you are it's, it's just called a different name like don't stress about it Like um, they're trained bikinis and trained bikinis, athletic bikini. And I declined in that. And she was like, no, no, I'm trained. I was like, no, no, for this one, you're athletic. Like, don't panic. It's the same thing. It's just a different name. And then I had another class of this figure. And with PCA, I was like, you need, because she'd done FitX the week before, she was obviously trained figure. But I was like, don't enter that one. I was like, make sure you haven't entered that one. (laughs) Cause I was like, you'll be in the wrong class. You need to make sure you've entered athletics. So she's like, okay. But it's that, if it's your first time as well, like for her, it was our first time, you maybe not thinking you're in prep, you just like train, figure. Yep, that's me. And it's like, no, it it was you last week, but this week you're something else. But it's really the same thing, but just a different name.
1: I think the good thing with PCA is that, you know, because you can only enter one class with PCA. If you, uh, if you enter a lower uh lower class. I don't mean lower in terms of standard, but like, you know, if say you were unsure and yeah. you put yourself into athletic figure and then against the lineup, PCA thought, oh no, that's a bit, you're a bit big and a bit too conditioned for this class. They will move you into the right class. Um, obviously, they can't move you back a class. So, you know, if you put yourself in trained and you would have quite nicely fit athletic, they can't move you into a class that has already happened. Um, so you know, for me, for example, like I was always very border between bikini and bikini trained. So I always entered bikini with the ex- knowing that if I better fit trained, they would move me into that class. Um, because that's the thing with PCA, is that they want you to compete in a class where they feel you can best compete. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's I think like you say, it it is confusing when people, different federations name their classes as different things, but I think each of them wants to separate themselves or you know, individual yeah. individual in the industry. They don't want otherwise it's just cookie cutter the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the athletes, yeah. it can be a bit confusing.
0: Yeah, you can see why they do it. So they're quite unquote different. But also, you've got to think of the athlete. And if we change too much, when you've got someone, it's their first ever time, they're very much in prep, their brain's all over the place, they just get very, very confused. So, if you're unsure, I'd always, always say, like, just ask your coach first. Yeah. Like, because it can be confusing. Like, one of my clients nearly entered bodybuilding like because she was like I was just really confused and said first time bodybuilding and I'm a first-timer so I assumed it was that And I was like yeah a little bit out of place there um so maybe he doesn't
1: want to do that no I get it but I think like like you say speaking to your coach they're generally going to have an idea of where you would best fit you know and as your coach I like to think that as coaches we we know or if yeah. we're not sure in your borderline, we'll give you the appropriate advice on where we think you should go. Um, And then what will be, will be. Um, But yeah, you know, I definitely understand the confusion. But again, I think this just refers back to read the criteria. Like I guarantee no one reads the criteria. No, I always yeah. say this, I always
0: say this, because if the criteria said in there, right, you must wear a pink bikini, for example, right? Because this is literally... How clear the criteria is, right? You must wear a pink bikini. And you put a client on stage in a blue bikini and they didn't win, it would be like, well, they both fit. No, you didn't read the criteria, because the criteria said you must wear a pink bikini. Now, I don't think there's any federation out there that says you must wear a pink bikini. But like no. that's an example that I like to give is that that is what they're saying. So you need to read it because if you've not read it, you can't then kick off that it's wrong. Um, yeah. I also don't know whether you do this but like I've looked at like many a person backstage if you get someone and they come and they're like oh I'm not sure like where I fit with you and like people like I said people get scared because they're like oh my god like all federations are completely different I'm like normally to be honest if you're winning with one you're winning with most of them or you're placing top three with most of them like you're pretty consistent um but you get them they come to you and they're like I don't know where I fit do you also look at them
1: backstage before they go on and go yeah you're this you're fine I mean I haven't had to that's not to say it hasn't happened like I'm pretty sure that there have been scenarios where like at registration for example an athlete's been like I'm not sure where I fit and a judge has had a look and been like we think you should go there but it's also really important to remember as well that like you could be a victim of a lineup. Yeah. so yes a judge can have a look over you off stage but then that's without seeing you next to who else is in that class so it's 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 hard it's hard to know yeah,
0: you know? yeah. anybody because I've looked at some girls and I've gone like straight away like you need to be there like, oh, 100%. Um, it normally happens to be fair when people come to me for posing they're like yeah. oh my coach coaches put me here for this federation and I'm like um but I judge for them and I'm just gonna say that maybe you better for into this um but the other thing is like, I have looked at people backstage and I had one girl and Dan was like, can you come look at this girl? I was like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, I don't know if she's uh, trained bikini or brownness." I looked at her and it's like, like she could have been either. Like her legs were more developed than her upper, but then also not significantly developed than her upper. And like her conditioning was, she was conditioned, but not also really, really hard. And it was like, like you're kind of in the middle of the two. And then it is hard, and then it's like, well, if you stood in that lineup, and all the trained bikini girls were really, really conditioned, then yeah, maybe then you would have been better with wellness. And it's really difficult sometimes, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think
1: it's it's one of those things where, like you say, sometimes I'll look at an athlete and be like, yeah, that's without a doubt that category. Yeah, you know, you can just look at them and they, you know, they fit regardless but then there's some that kind of and this is why i'm saying like it's really important to read the criteria and then deem where you fit based on that rather than looking at the show results and being like oh well, i think i look like this girl so i'm going to go into that class because that might have just been the result on that day because of what the lineup looked like on that day um yeah it's it's difficult you know it, it is difficult i don't i don't think it's as easy as people think it is because there's a, like i said like i've said multiple times now i don't i think it's very rare that you get a perfect fit yeah. of the criteria so you know it's about where you closest fit
2: mm.
1: and um and sometimes I mean, you'll probably know this from judging yourself anyway. But sometimes, when you look at a lineup, um, you you might find that you look at an athlete and you're like, "Oh, they fit really well in this lineup." But if the lineup had been a little bit softer, then they may have looked better in a different category. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, so it's like because they may just be very borderline. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, when it comes to PCA in particular, like I say, if, if they have the ability to move you to a class where they yeah. think you better fit, then they do,
0: federations do. I know FITX do. I know NFM do. I don't know about two bros so much. Because um, you,
1: you can enter as many classes as you want. So, so you they're kind it. of like, if you're not sure, then enter them all.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one way to do it, isn't it? I might just enter, like, go and do two I just enter bikini, wellness, figure, women's physique, do a bit of women's bodybuilding and just see where I fit. You could do that. Yeah. But the mad thing is there, though, like I said, if you've got small classes, and, like, bikini's normally quite a big class, right, but then figure – it's I find figures really hit or miss, whether it's big or not. But women's physique is often quite small. Women's bodybuilding's normally really yeah. small. So I could go in and enter all of those classes – Say win with mm-hmm. bikini, that like, I could be like this perfect bikini girl, win with bikini. I could even win the bikini overall sword, right? I could then pay and do women's bodybuilding and women's physique. And win both of them because I'm the only one in the class and win the overall, because I'd be the only one that did it.
1: I mean, yeah. yeah I, mean, I could do. You could? Well. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. No, it's <laughs> recommend
0: yeah I mean I'm not saying that anyone should do this but I think maybe there needs to be a, a bit of a line drawn that goes yeah you, you can't enter bikini and women's bodybuilding because you can't be both and like that's very much my like with fix you can enter two but like you can only enter like say women's bikini open and bikini masters that like, you could do that but you couldn't do like bikini and figure or bikini.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, PCA yeah. have the rule that you can only enter one yeah. show. And I, I think that's fair. Um,
0: because it gives that clear thing that like you are one or you are the other. You are not a bikini girl and a figure girl and a wellness girl. Your physique fits one. Just and one.
1: It, should. it should. Um, But I guess it's kind of what you've spoken about is that when you're borderline, yeah you might fit multiple like for me there shouldn't ever be a scenario where you would do bikini and wellness no like because there's there's such a clear difference there mm-hmm. it shouldn't happen um but you know let's say for example you could do multiple classes with pca mm. could you do bikini and toned figure potentially yeah um you know you might as, as a bikini girl, let's say you might end up being the upper end of bikini and the lower end of, of toned, but you you if you can pose them the poses look good on both of you, yeah. you could potentially
0: I think again that's being able to because I've said like next year I will do both, mm-hmm. but I know that I will not place in toned figure unless I'm the only one in it. Think <laughs> that. Like, I'm not not a figure girl. Like, I'm fully aware of that. I know until you try. Well, I do know. (laughs) The only reason I'm doing it is because I want to do a routine and I want to get it filmed and, like, as a business move. Yeah. Like, I know that I'm not going to place in that because it's not my... for,
1: For PCA, I know plenty of people, right, that they start off their bodybuilding journey... Yeah. ...because they... Um, and they start off in bikini because bikini is the lower end of muscularity yeah. and the lower end of condition. You know, it's seen to be the entry category for women in bodybuilding. But, you know, they may do that and actually end up falling in love with figure and doing a routine and the painting you know I I know plenty of people that have done bikini and then been like oh no I think I really want to do figure and then just moved over and quite easily made that transition or I actually know a few people that have started in figure and been like oh do you know what like I actually think I might just move over to bikini um so I think you know you've got to have a much pardon
0: You've got to have the muscularity for it, though, I think.
1: I was going to say, I think that when you move above bikini and toned figure, then you're talking about structural differences where they shouldn't fit, in my opinion. You know, I wouldn't expect to see... You get odd competitors. the odd competitor like Hannah Forbester, for example, um, or Amy Robertson, right, who could both do bikini trained or figure yeah. athletic, right um because they've got that structure and that shape where they beautifully fit either um but typically speaking um i think once you start getting to trained bikini and athletic figure you can kind of tell if they're more of a bigger um, shape or more of a bikini shape, because it should be more structural at that point. Like, you know, I could probably do bikini trained now, but I I could never do figure athletic. Like you'd, ne- you'd never see me in a figure athletic class because yeah. I don't have that structure that suits yeah. that. Class. And you know, I know a few people in the figure athletic class, like Hannah Borden, for example, is one of my very good friends, and she you know, she's won loads in figure athletic. um, But I couldn't see her ever doing bikini. Yeah, absolutely. Her, her structure to...
0: is more like you could go into it. I think as well, it's how well you can pose and manipulate your posing to suit. And I yeah. think especially with the PCA, their posing is very free in yeah. your figure posing. So you've got a little bit more freedom there to be like, okay, Like, what poses can I hit? Like, I know I don't have like massive arms. Like, I don't have that structure in my arms to have like big biceps. So, if I'm hitting a side pose, like a lot of them do the bicepy, you know, I just hit that. (laughs) But there you go. You wouldn't have to. I would not. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. I'm going to have to hit it from the front, but that's one pose out of the four. Do you know what I mean? So, I could just hit other poses where I can and try and scooch around that one. Yeah. Um, whereas at it in...
1: yeah, I think to be fair, you know, if you really think about it from a PCA perspective, you've got bikini and figure toned that are almost like entry level for either of those uh, classes, right? You know, you, you don't have to be the biggest and you don't have to be the leanest, but you have to have enough muscle and enough condition yeah. to meet the criteria. Um, obviously, then as you progress up through the levels, you need more muscularity and more condition. And I think obviously when you then start getting to those levels,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's when your genetic structure is going to expose where, where you're yeah. uh, But. Yeah, I, I agree with you in a sense, that, like I said, as, as a wellness girl. Yeah, I don't think that you it's should standalone. be able to do bikini like you should have such a clear dominance in your lower half that you, people should look at you and be like that is wellness <laughs> like that's you know there's no disputing that the glutes and the legs uh yeah and there, the whole leg. you
0: know? not just the glute it's not just about a big bum it's about like a whole leg yeah leg.
1: I mean, I love that category I think it's phenomenal um and you know there might be some girls that are between you could tell that with a bit more training they would be wellness yeah you know much
0: trendy, um, like you need to train into this to because you're not going to be winning bikini if you're borderline wellness
1: yeah so I think it's not... like I think you also need to bear in mind and I think that wellness gets a lot of stick right for the standard not being there um but I think as well like we've got to remember that some people do enter shows before they're ready to fit the criteria you know uh, that's not me slamming them that's me saying we we shouldn't be stopping people from trying you know and you know I think that you know even with bikini you get girls entering the bikini category and they're not quite ready yeah and that's perfectly okay um it's then just accepting that there might be some more work to do before you will be an accurate representation of what a cat is looking well. for. What's that? Rewarded for it as well. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think with wellness, there are some girls that I've judged where I've been like, in with a bit of time, that will be a beautiful wellness shape. Yeah. Um, you know they're just on stage a bit of ahead of where their development is and you know for some people they might just want to dip their toe in the water to see how they feel about competing to see if they want to invest the time and the effort that it takes to develop their physique that way because could you imagine I couldn't imagine nothing worse than spending years developing my physique for a category and then finding out that I hate competing
0: (laughs) I get you, I get you. And I think it does it's also the like the the class as well. Like my sister, she trained and everything, she did bikini and she's well, she's got a second place and I can't remember if she placed in anything else as well, but she you know, she did really well to be fair. She's in some big lineups. But she never really liked bikini and she said to me when I like we argued a lot and I didn't like I couldn't even pose it to begin with because I was like, I literally cannot deal with you. <laughs> um but like we're all good now like our culture now and everything and yeah it was always very much like I don't like flicking my hair and I was (laughs) like you you're gonna have to bring your hair off your back though Kate and you're gonna have to flick it back onto your back again and she's like I don't want to wear like a spark like a really sparkly bikini and I was like okay you don't have to wear a really sparkly bikini I don't want to wear sparkly jewelry I don't want to do any of this like sassy walking and I was like (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, I get that you don't like the posing, Kate, but this is what you have to do. <laughs> like, you have to hit these poses. Whoa, I don't really like them. I was like, okay, so there's a lot of arguments there to begin with, but she, <laughs> okay, she did all right. But I knew right from the start with her, she was never going to stay in bikini. Mm-hmm. But for her, it was getting on stage. It was yes. seeing if she enjoyed the process, seeing yes. if she enjoyed being up on stage. And she did. She didn't like the sparkles. She, did, <laughs> she, did, she didn't like having the earrings in. She flicked her earring across the stage as well because it was too long for her. <laughs> um, well, she got clippings on as well. She didn't like rip okay. her earring. But... Okay. And um, she, just, she just, I just don't like, she said, I loved it, but I don't like being bikini. And I was like, and it was kind of getting to the end for prep and I'm going, just okay. do it. And then next year, do figure. Take some time out and do figure. And that's what she's doing now. And she's so much happier. She gets to flex her biceps and she gets to be in these really strong poses. And she loves that. Mm-hmm. And I think despite her, like her structure luckily is like, she will go into figure really, really nicely. Yeah. But her personality
1: as well was never going to be in bikini. She just hated <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's what I mean. I think that when it comes to bodybuilding, I think that there's this do or die mindset in the industry, which is like, oh, if you're doing it, you've got to be in it to win it. But for some people, it's not about that. Like for yeah. some people, they're not, they just want to, like I've, I've got a bigger client that I'm putting on stage in September, yeah. right? She's 55 and, you know, she did a bodybuilding co- competition before where she did like a best transformation class and she yeah. lost a shit ton of weight right and this year her goal is to just get back on stage looking better than she did last time yeah like, you know, and she's she might get up there and you know like, It might not be enough to take the win. Like I'd love to put her in a position to obviously get to the win. But for her, it's not about that. But I think there's something about the bodybuilding industry where we judge everyone like they should be on stage, taking it serious to the point where they want to win. It's yeah. like, but that's not everybody's motivation. Some people just want to be better, some people just want to perform, some people just want to show off what they've managed to achieve or see how they feel about bodybuilding. Like I would genuinely say that makes up a large majority of people that get on bodybuilding. I mean,
0: and also she, like she'd competed before and she just had a bad experience. And all like all she said to me was, I just want to have fun. Or I like I don't care where I place at all. All I want to do is go up there, look better than I did before, and enjoy it. Because last time I didn't, so I was like, "Okay, cool." Like that's and that was our sole focus was just enjoying a show. Yeah, and she did, and like that to her was like the biggest win ever because she enjoyed herself. And whether she placed first or last, I honestly don't think that would have mattered because she just wanted to enjoy herself, feel supported, and have a good prep, and we did it and that was wicked
1: and I think that that I think that's what we all of us could do with remembering
0: yeah
1: that for a lot of people getting on stage it's not always about the trophies like sometimes it's just about beating their own demons or being better than they were before or having some fun or being in the best shape that they've been in even if it doesn't fit the category criteria like and that that's okay like not everybody has to be in it to win it um obviously the people that best fit the criteria are the ones that are gonna win it but it doesn't mean that everybody on stage has that that goal it doesn't mean that they can't step on stage either like everyone is welcome right um and that, that's how people should be made to feel it shouldn't be an intimidating experience it should be whatever people want that experience to be um give it a go have some fun and see how you feel about it but yeah I think you know just obviously I guess going back to what we were saying that that you know I look at wellness and I think that people might just be on that stage just seeing where they sit how they fit um and people might not always get it 100% right but that's okay because how are they going to know where they sit or how they fit if they don't get on the stage they don't see how they compare to other people they don't get the feedback from the judges yeah um yeah I just I think fuck it have a go see how you sit see where you fit like people might have their opinions about whether you're right or wrong for the category but it's not always about winning
0: yeah and that kind of answers my last question but I'm going to ask it to you anyway because everyone gets this one what is the one that what is the one thing that you want everyone to take away from today's podcast
1: I think I think that really um that when it comes to like bodybuilding and competing Really have a think about like what your reason for doing it is. Mm. Um and you know, because sometimes it's not always just about winning the trophy, sometimes it's about what you take along with you on the journey, what you learn about yourself, what you want to experience from your experience. Um, because at the end of the day, if you give your best to every day, then you're gonna bring your best to stage, regardless of whether that's enough to win or not. Um and that's the win. Do you know what I mean? Like being your best self is the win. You can't ask more of yourself than being your best. Um, so yeah, if you can focus your mindset on just being the best you can be, then um, then that's a big win.
0: And if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? If they've got any questions? Um,
1: probably where I'm most visible. So at Jody underscore Delonde um you'll find me my big
0: curly hair there awesome and you will be tagged in the pod like written in the description your instagram Mm -hmm. handle, so people can find you (laughs) um anything else you'd like to add at all i don't think i think we talked a lot didn't we oh yeah which has been nice um (laughs) thank you everyone for listening if you have enjoyed this podcast uh please like it please um drop us a follow and also share this to instagram story tag me and jodie in it um and share it with your friends. So yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>